Welcome to this special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. In this special series, I'm sharing with you 12 speakers from the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I really hope you enjoy their wisdom. Hey folks, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome back to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. We're in for a fun discussion conversation today with my beautiful guest, Jesse Mendez. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, I'm so excited. We're going to have a good talk. Jesse uh, and I have been sort of like Instagram flirting with each other for months. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's going to be fun. We're finally <laughs> connecting and sharing our conversation with everybody. And Jesse was just saying to me before we got started, we were doing the, this often happens across hemispheres. We were doing the climate comparison and it's yes. snowing and beautiful where you are. Oh, it's so beautiful and my bones are shaking. In <laughs> <laughs> body. My bones are <laughs> Dark reminder of winter. Like, we're here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's much more legitimate. It doesn't snow where I live, which is a good thing because I'm not very good with snow. Uh, okay, so folks, let me give you the formal introduction to Jessie in case you're new to her and her work. So as she is an ERYT500 person, excellent. And her work <laughs> is about attuning to the wise whispers of nature for the sole purpose of the embodiment, activation and reclamation of the wild feminine on the planet yes oh. through intuitively intelligent movement medicine practices powerful circle and ceremony jesse calls back what is instinctual raw and authentically present in the bones it is her mm. mission through all of her teachings writings and programs to call home the wild the wise the hag the witch and the wolf in every woman brave enough to see her own reflection that is some fierce bio <laughs> right there <laughs> I sounded really good in your accent too. I like it. <laughs> oh well, you know, a pleasure. Um, and so, I uh, thank you so much for for being a guest and for speaking with us. And one of the one of the things, well, first of all, I can't go past this because I have some clients who do divine feminine work, and um, and uh, one in particular um, who works with women um, into their uh, wisdom years. And yeah. what we we often talk about is this label of the hag and how in archetype language, yeah. I get it and and it's a beautiful part of a woman's journey but in in just like the vernacular it's not a nice term and i think there's like this hesitancy of what does it mean to be the hag and how do you, and is there we sort of always talk about is there a better word or but i love that you you're like you're claiming it and putting it in there and oh, yeah. calling it out tell me more about um, that well one of my most recent favorite books i love to say that just because there's always a new one that i love one yeah. of my most recent um is written by emma rastal Orr. she's a druid priest and she's from the uk and she writes it's called kissing the hag and she writes about the unacceptable nature of women and the aspects that we are really taught and conditioned to look at in that way where it's like, no, no, we don't want to call it that. We don't want to call her witch. We don't want to call her the B one. We don't want to call her any of those words, but there are such potent components of our being that are so incredibly suppressed in those words. And I think by taking them back and by taking that ownership, like the hag in me is the one that says no, when I really truly mean no, 
Yeah. She, she doesn't have time to, to, to give you anything other than that. No is a complete sentence, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. And, and I feel her in my bones when I feel those moments. And I think that that, like you said, the, the wisdom years, the crone phase, the stepping into the, the kind of offerings that we receive during our bleeding years are like these peaks into our potent intuition, into our potent capacity to, to be in both worlds and all worlds at once. Yes. And so stepping into that phase of life or that, that teacher during our, our life period is so beautiful. And I think that hearing the words and kind of taking back what we choose to of them, I think that transforms the language because ultimately everything is a naughty word depending on how it's used. And I've found that to be the case that I would rather take back the, the, the potency of it. When I sat with my grandmother this, um, this past Yule, we made um, wreaths together. And I just, I, I, was, I was really focused and I was trying to do it right. And there's this, there's this part of that stage of life where it's just like, just do it. Just don't give it so much. You're thinking too much. Yes, <laughs> you know yes. I mean? Get over it kind of thing. And, and I love that part of that nature too, where it's just like, there's, no, there's not as many things to carry in the bags because they no longer are important. I love that. And I also, you know, it also calls to mind for me, um, much less concern for what other people think about us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, they don't, my, my grandmother is my perfect example. She truly, she could not care less. <laughs> <laughs> I've earned my space. There's no time for this in her, yes. in her perspective. There's no time for this. It's a wasted, it's a wasted effort, wasted energy that could be utilized for so much more medicine and magic on the planet. I don't know if this is true for who knew we we're going to talk about our nanas, but this is I, I spent Christmas with my nana who I adore, yeah. and as well as that energy, I think that that hag archetype has this girlish quality as well, like a playfulness, getting back to joy and play in that girlish way. So fun. Exactly. I love, I love that it is really, it's a full circle. Yeah. There's this, you know, when we were small and we didn't think about whether or not we were getting dirty or whether or not we were supposed to, and all, yeah. all of those things that just no longer, they, they matter for a little while. And then we go, this is ridiculous. Why am I carrying this? And we unpack it again and we go, no, no, that's too heavy. I have yeah. things to do. I want to go play in the mud again. Yes. And it's remembering that I think as soon as we, as we feel the call to is, is really amazing. And I didn't think about this before we started speaking, but what, what I, what connects now for me is that in an age where, you know, people talk a lot about sort of Insta yogis and what we should look like on social media. And I know I have clients and there's women in my community who keep, keep cancelling photo shoots because they're just going to lose a few more kilos or they're, they're oh. nervous about um, going live on video because they don't look great today. Or, and in fact, if we could reclaim in this moment more of that hag exactly. authority it would exactly. be better for like yoga <laughs> it would be better for authenticity overall yes. in every in every aspect of our humanity i think if I if we could look at the ways that we do it to ourselves yes. because we've, we've done so much of looking at what society has done to women and we don't recognize the ways in which we need to take ownership and accountability for the boxes we put ourselves in. It's like, yes, you know, society has done this over time and then we've accepted it and that's a choice. Yes. Right. There's that moment where you're like, I'm, I'm just going to stay in here. The door, the lock on the door is mine to, to break off, you yes. know, that, that totally. concept of like, if I don't care if anybody sees that I have bumps on my face or that I have cellulite on my butt or whatever it is, I, I don't feel that 
that we're doing a justice to any kind of spiritual practice when we only show the the sparkly things and the you know when it's when it's whatever box it's supposed to fit in i think we're we're missing half it's 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 amputated it's severed from you know the aspects that are that are thick and muddy and sticky and all of the things that the feminine means to me you know are those aspects of nature that are so incredibly unpredictable and chaotic and and huge beautiful teachers the darkness has been my most profound teacher in my entire life i don't look at it as a negative positive i look at it in in hermetic philosophy as a spectrum of a whole so it's just the amount of light it's not necessarily two separate concepts it's like that there's so much in in soil and we miss that oftentimes and i think that that's what's missing the roots it's missing the feminine it's missing that part of our of our reality in as a whole and so in taking back this i don't need to look like whatever i think i'm supposed to look like for instagram in taking back that you you're taking back the authority to be allowed to be whatever the world claims unacceptable that in itself is authenticity in my in my perspective at least so that's the integrity that's missing and it also is what it's that's how you end up with cookie cutters of the same thing so much of that because they're also stripped of their individual creativity as well they're unique gifts they don't get to see you know what makes art beautiful is usually the mistake or the strange thing that happened by accident that's what makes us each you know to to try to put us all into the same box is, is insanity in my mind I agree. And I must just say for everybody, it's, it's uh, early morning here doing this recording, so I can't do anything about the cockatoos because they're just coming in to feast on my orchard. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about the squat. It's not a pterodactyl. It's uh, in my backyard. That's just oh. what happens here at dawn. So, so I, I think that. two things on that. The first one is, you know, what I like to say is the more that women, um, <clears throat> the more that, well, anybody uh, doesn't doesn't put themselves forward because of fear of not looking perfect. The more mm-hmm. we're increasing the skew towards perfection in what people <laughs> yes. see. So it actually, mm-hmm. if it's oh, but everyone on Instagram is wearing leg warmers and underpants, and that's not for me doing their <laughs> yoga, um, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. But if, yeah. if we're not putting our exact selves out there, then it's our fault that there's more of this and less of that. Yeah. Yes, we're contributing, we're condoning it, we're contributing, we're conforming to it. And honestly, we're robbing people of the the full experience of humanity, which they're going to have to face no matter what, you know, like that's going to happen. So when they, you know, embark on their spiritual journey, whether it be through yoga or any other lineage of practice, if what they perceive and what we're putting out there as leaders in the field, if what they're perceiving is skewed, like you're saying, yes. that's our responsibility to shift that. And that's our responsibility to, to do better when it comes to the integrity of, of the whole experience. Because like you, all of us know who've been doing this work, it's not always pretty. And if that's what we're putting out, I would say it's like 80-20 in a lot of cases. There's a lot of thick work. Yeah. And when we out there like only the day in which there are no pimples and there are no stretch marks and there when is that a real day i'm never having that day i'm not okay with it (laughs) what a ridiculous reality you know like (laughs) not real (laughs) it's not real and and that's not fair to people who are seeking because it's actually preying on this longing inside of them that wants things to be that instead of teaching them how to navigate what it really is beautifully put i also think that I don't, I don't know about you, and I'd love to know, but for me, it was, it was that descent 
part mm. of the cycle that really, I mean, I've been doing yoga since I was eight, but it was just like a thing that I did one night a week, right? But it was the full descent of that point in my life where I went down that actually yeah. brought me to, okay, actually yoga is my path and this is going to be my Swadharma. This is where I'm going. And so I think actually there is, for many of us, we come to yoga teacher training or we decide to be pursued more uh, integrated spiritual path because we've been down into the darkness because it's hard yeah. yeah because we're looking for how to see in the dark we're looking for how to navigate it we're not going to avoid it you know it's you're not trying to get it out of the reality of the whole it, it is half of the spectrum we will continue to see these things in our in our world it's how can we stop pushing against them so much and allow them to be our teachers yeah. because you're it's not it's not that we're going to rewrite the world and painted in different colors it's there are all of the colors of the spectrum yeah. and i think that's that's the challenge that i think is missing i feel a lot of people come to my trainings either out of another training or out of another experience where they were like i thought it was all just butterfly farts and rainbows and i'm like yeah no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> thank god like yeah, that's thank god it isn't Exactly. For the meal. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your, your business then and tell us about what the, the things that you offer to the world. Yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, it, I think it's just constantly evolving like, like we are. So I, when I graduated my teacher training, I pretty soon after opened a yoga studio because my mom didn't want me to leave the country. I was getting, <laughs> she goes, I found a building. Don't leave. <laughs> I've never, of all the yoga teachers and yoga experts I've spoken to, I've never heard someone say, I did it for my mother. <laughs> I'm in love with my mother. She's my, she's my greatest teacher, my soulmate, my, my best friend. I, I love this woman. Like she, wow. she truly is. She truly is. She's everything. And um, she was my first student, first Aww. person that ever came to any of my classes. <laughs> she had like two um, older gentlemen in front of her that came to that class that both, both of them had their butt cracks hanging out. She was behind them. <laughs> this is my first class I've ever taught. So I just got to watch my mother laughing. <laughs> I was ready for anything after that. There was nothing, there was nothing that was going to throw me off. So I was getting ready actually to go live in Aruba. I had met a studio owner down there and I had lived a month with her and I was getting ready to go down there and I was going to just move down there and teach yoga. And I, she's awesome. She's from Holland. And I was getting ready to do that. And my mom goes, well, no, I found a, a studio. Let's get it. <laughs> oh. Neither of us had any money. We didn't know what, how we were going to do this. So we, we found a way and we opened a yoga studio. And the first month that we were open, we had 70 people in those class because I gave them the month for free. Wow. And so, so that was the beginning. And so I owned the studio for three years. I ran my first training, you know, maybe four years after my graduation of my first training, which was early for me. I felt it was really soon for me to be running a training, but there was just, I was overflowing with this content that I wanted to share. And everyone kept asking, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? I really want to take it. I really want to take it. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready. Wow. <laughs> and then I realized that I was never going to be. Yeah. And there was no degree of readiness that was going to make me feel confident it was my own fear that was going to be something I needed to navigate and I realized that I was going to learn as I went and give them the best I possibly could and all of the resources that I had been given and and as much as I could to serve them and I led my first training in 2015 and since then we've graduated over 120 students something so cool. like that and yeah, I think so that just on that like to really reflect on that message that 
what you said that you realized that you would never be confident enough to do it and and that you yeah. did it anyway and that <clears throat> what i hear you say is that you recognize that um it wasn't just about you that there was that body of work that needed to come through you for the people who were ready to receive it which i think yeah, is incredible. i had to get out of the way yes yes I had to get out of the way because it was it was so obvious that i that i needed to be sharing it and that it was something that i had to do that it was almost painful to ignore it it was almost wow. like achingly painful to ignore it i was like if i don't do this i'm i'm doing a disservice because there there's such there's so much that needs to to be shared and i felt a, a responsibility i felt like i had i had to make it not about my own fears and my own you know that was my yoga in the in those moments like i couldn't let that be the ruler of of those decisions because that wasn't fair to the whole yes it wasn't fair to everyone and that if i if i believe as i do that everything is everything and everything is interwoven interconnected then i was doing a disservice by not stepping into that power and stepping into sharing what i felt like i was meant to even knowing that it would always be evolving and i think that that's a huge blind spot in in a lot of the the industry is we're not done we're not done <laughs> this idea that we're ever going to be just baffles me <laughs> There's no like, yep, all set, checked all the boxes. I've never, I've never met that. I've never witnessed that. I've, I've seen humanity and, and humanity in all of its, its stages, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And for folks who are watching, you know, if you feel just, to, it doesn't have to be a, a <coughs> project. Your first half day workshop or your first um, teaching at a festival or your first one-to-one -one client. And if you, like Jesse said, that that feeling of almost painful, you said, that you had to get yeah. out of your own way to let that through. I think that's mm -hmm. just such a beautiful reminder for people who, are, who feel the calling to step to the next level, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Get over yourself. It's not about you. Like, that's the big thing. Like, get over yourself. Because it really, if you're truly believe in what it is that you're teaching, then you believe that your individual identity should not be stopping the medicine for the whole. So there's your excuse right off the list right now. You know, Someone like tweet that. Someone else turn that into a meme and tag us. Like, get that out there. Yes. It's I love true. that. It's totally true. So here's the thing. Um, arguably, I mean, I come from a <clears throat> fairly, you know, if Mr. Iyengar didn't teach it, it's not yoga kind of tradition. Um, arguably, you're doing some woo-woo stuff, which yes, I, I think, <laughs> proudly, awesome. Yes. And killing it. Um, and, um, and I think, again, there's another example of, of courage right. and of standing up and saying, these are all of the things that are true for me and I'm going to weave them together and offer them up. And yeah. I know a lot of people are, um, who might be watching are hesitant to mm -hmm. incorporate other parts of themselves or to, to, to mix things. Mm -hmm. But essentially, your body of work is about pulling threads together to make something really beautiful. Yeah. Tell me about a little bit more about that process and how you bring different things together. Yeah, I mean, to me, I didn't even feel like I was bringing them together. I felt like I was seeing that they were the same. I felt like that was what kept happening. I, I have studied from the time I was in school in college, I started studying philosophy in college. Um, I found that there were underlying truths that were consistent throughout almost every indigenous practice of spirituality. And so long as you are not attached so much to the specific characters, the specific story, the specific descriptions, mm -hmm. you find that the actual roots of it, the actual 
the, the medicinal part, the part that we feel beyond needing to explain it, the part that we know that we, that's experiential, the part that reminds us that everything is interwoven, mm -hmm. that truth teaching is present all over the world in every indigenous civilization, mm -hmm. which, I mean, that's, that's where you get ideas about shamanism. I recently did an ancestry DNA test because I was curious about some of my own blood lineages. And I wanted to, to hear in the voices of, in the languages of some of my ancestors, the exact same thing. And the exact same teaching just kept coming through in all these different languages. And I said, well, this is so beautiful that each, you know, each of these traditions feels so strongly about the way that they offer things, but I see truth in all of them. And how can I, and I kind of have always been that person, like I don't, I don't fit in this box mm -hmm. because, because what about this? Because what about this? Because what about neuroscience and archetypal psychology? psychology and druidry and paganism and all and and everything that has to do with the Lakota teachings they are the same thing to me I keep seeing these underlying same messages and I'm not I'm not so much feeling that one system is going to encompass that from my own personal practice yes. so if I'm dabbling in reading about all of these other things and I'm seeing the consistencies I'm seeing the congruency like you so beautifully worded in your um, email I love that word I'm seeing that how many things are parallel, then I think that what that actually does is the purpose of this yoga practice, which is to remove the segmentation mm. to me, you know, I, to yeah. recognize, to recognize these, these boxes, these categories that we've created, these, these labels, and the, there's this kind and this kind and this kind, and they're all separated and they're all fighting with each other and they're all comparing with each other. And th to me, there's, that's happening on, on every level of society, including within the yoga industry. And part of what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping is that by erasing some of these in, you know, lines that I don't really see as, as necessary, mm -hmm. that we can recognize that this knowing is, is in our own essence. It's something that we can access. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to tell us. It's in there. And so let, let's find ways for each person to access that on their own and some people will hear it in different languages it doesn't mean that it's not the same message beautifully so put. I'm working. that's my hope yeah and i know it's woo woo and it's definitely not a traditional way i mean i've learned from traditional teachers and i have deep reverence and respect i just know that if i'm not going to teach exactly in alignment with one specific lineage that it makes more sense for me to put myself in this space where it's just like i do all the things i do all the things and i respect all the things if that makes sense it does make sense. I, I remember <clears throat> when I did my first 200 hour teacher training, one of the textbooks on the reading list, which I won't name, but um, it was very adamant about, you know, dabble for a while and then pick one teacher and do not stray from that. And at the time I was still exploring, um, you know, other traditions and spiritual paths. And that really frightened me that I, I'm not great at, I don't, I don't have favorite. I'm not good at favorites. There's so much mm. diversity is beautiful. I don't like, like even what's your favorite film? Well, it depends on, what I feel like in that moment. You know, so the idea of having to like limit myself down to just one thing yeah. at the time where I was at in my personal journey, that actually felt um, like I'd got something wrong because I had mm. a desire to pursue other things and it yeah. felt way too limited. And now I can see that even if we just talk about the tradition of yoga, in fact, that tradition has always been about commentary. I'm going to take your teaching 
Yes. I'm going to assimilate <laughs> it and I'm going to offer back my version of it. And, yeah. and so I actually suspect now what you're doing is like the, the combining of things when it comes from or take from integrity is yeah. kind of what the unification of concepts is one of the most powerful things we can do as, 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 as yoga teachers. And especially if it's coming through your own authenticity, like yeah. I'm reading a book right now. Do I have it? I do. It's right here. I'm rereading it. It's called Living Druidry. And this is MR Style Aura again. Yeah. This, if the first couple, I was literally, I felt like I was going nom, 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 to every single word. I was like, yes, I loved it. I just, I loved that she didn't ask me to sacrifice any part of myself in what I was reading. There yeah. was no part of me that was wrong. Yes. There was no part of me that wasn't allowed to be. And I feel like that, that this kind of like respect for all living aspects of essence of nature of being of 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 all of these these aspects of like everything has a right to be kind of in its in itself has a, a birthright to to exist and so I feel that way about these different schools of thought and about these different teachers and about the way that it came through them and how beautiful and how potent that is but I also feel really strongly that just as it needed to come through them in the voice that it did that's also what we are and so why can't I learn from the soil and the roots of the trees? And why can't I learn from a Druid and a Lakota medicine woman? And why, why, why? I don't get the why, like, what's the reason why I'm not allowed to learn from, from things that I feel deeply called to learn from and to see, like you said, the congruency amidst it all mm. to me, that's been my medicine. So if I'm mm. to share authentically with integrity, then I have to share what's been medicine for me experientially, not just what was told to me because I grew up in a, in a martial arts studio, actually. So I've, I've had a very linear... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah very <laughs> linear introduction to specifically Okinawan Shorinru Karate Do. That is the kind. The only kind. And it's like this. And this is how you make a fist. And you don't make a fist any other way because this is how you make a fist. But when I say why, it's like you get slapped with a ruler. And it's like... <laughs> why <laughs> why can't i do it like this way what if this feels better for my body what if this feels better in my soul what if my knee needs to go like this what if my body and my being is telling me something that is not consistent with every single word out of one teacher's mouth that doesn't mean that that teacher isn't absolutely valid and beautiful and necessary and vital to the nourishment of the whole it just means that we are all of us you know able to offer through our own experience something unique and special and i think that that is what gives the diversity of teachers and the ability to take a class from so many different teachers, that's what helps us each evolve. I mean, that's the beauty of everything being so open with us being able to reach. I can reach you in Australia and I can reach this woman in the UK and I can, yeah. so I can learn from all of that then, which I, I couldn't, couldn't do before, you know? I agree. Two things come up. First one, I think, <clears throat> in fact, it, um, now it's, we couldn't have this conversation without noting actually it's essential that we never um that we have got too much evidence behind us now for us to actually surrender all control to one teacher that in fact that's when we are potentially can put ourselves at risk and these stories just keep coming up about mm -hmm. yoga students who have, have been in that place so to add to what you're saying not only is it 
are up to us to learn from different teachers and blend, but also to very much discern for ourselves, is this true for me? Not only yeah. in, in for my body, but is this like safe? Is this real? Yeah. Is this a trusting relationship, I think. Exactly. And when, when, we, when we surrender that inner knowing, we're mm. kind of in danger, unfortunately. Well, that's what society is asking of us as a whole is the surrender of control. And that that's very fear-based. And that's, yeah. that's what concerns me is the, the things that are fueled with fear. It's like, don't do this because of scary thing. Don't do this because of other scary thing. Don't do this because you're wrong. Don't do this because you won't be adequate or it won't be enough. And I feel like we are so, that's, that's almost like manipulating our psychology in a sense, mm -hmm. knowing that these belief patterns are part of our being to, to kind of prey on those aspects of like, well, only follow this. It's, only, it's almost like what I see happening in some religions, which makes me very sad when you see people in very um, despair impoverished areas where there's a lot of suffering in those areas and then they're given this like well do exactly as i say follow this exact religion or teaching or whatever and you will get to see all those people you lost and you will get all the and it just it feels very much like there's a sore place and there's a manipulation of that sore place. Like, let me give you the, you know, the, the pill for that kind of thing. And it mm -hmm. feels like that is part of what happens sometimes in, in the industry, which, which makes me sad. Yeah, it really, it's a preying off of, off of those sore areas instead of teaching people how to navigate the fact that life has those, those sore places and how can we each individually in our own um, power and navigation and discernment and our own experience learn how to maneuver through those moments. Mm. And that's actually teaching someone. I think we teach a lot of dependency and a lot of giving away of control in a lot of systems of thought and systems of belief. And it's unfortunate because there's always a fall from grace in those, in those experiences. There's always a like, that's a human, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. they did something human or there was an eth ethical energetics concern or things like that. that, yeah. that and, and if we were teaching instead from that place of I don't sit on a podium I sit next to you that yeah. I'm a human and I'm gonna mess up and I'm gonna disappoint you and I'm and, because I'm I'm gonna have a day I'm gonna have a hag day and you're gonna <laughs> witness me you're gonna witness me in that day you know and I I want them to know how to navigate it in themselves and not aspire to be something that I myself don't aspire to be which you know is is you know walking on eggshells every day and I can't there's going to be days that I'm just going to make a mess everywhere <laughs> but also um like misusing your power because I think inevitably <clears throat> regardless of your intention from the people who come to sit with you mm -hmm. there is always going to be a power differential yeah and and that we get to mindfully to use mm -hmm. your word mindfully navigate that yeah. as the as I the leader of, or as a space holder yeah yeah it's vital and it's teaching each person to be able to, like you said, make their own mind up about whether or not that's true for them. Mm, mm. With anything I offer, it's, it's take what you need. I'm mm, not giving mm. you ultimatums. I'm not giving you end all be alls. I'm, give, I'm offering you what has been medicine for me. Yes. You must decide. You must decide if you feel that in your own bones. And if you don't go look over here, here's 16 other resources that you can look at yes. and maybe you'll feel it there. But it's, yes. it's helping them to find it within themselves rather than finding it through me or through any other teacher. It's, it's can, I teach, can I teach in a way that helps people to access their own portals into their own knowing of connection or knowing of, of wholeness or knowing of divinity or however they choose to perceive it. It's can, I, can you go home on your own mat by yourself in your own room and, and access that yeah. because you know how. 
I feel yeah. like that if I can give anything, it's tools towards that so that they can find it in their own way, you know? Yeah, it sounds like more about remembering rather than yeah. discovering for discovering a new. The other thing that I've got to say that you're modeling mm. so beautifully for us right now is this voracious appetite to learn and be the student. Oh, yeah. I often hear from people that um, um, they're either, they're hesitant to go learn more. Um, or, no, here's what happens. Often what I hear from people in my community is they will allow themselves to invest in new trainings if they can see a direct correlation to how I might how that might better my business. For example, I'm going to go do 50-hour prenatal yoga teacher training because then I can offer that class. Yep. But what I'm seeing from you is just this like delight in studying for the pleasure and the passion of it, which I think we need more yeah. of. Like fuel your desires with new information and teachers and wisdom rather than does this make sense and can I let myself <laughs> have this you know, extra yin thing or this extra yoga nidra thing? Other than pursue yeah. pleasure and passion. It has to come from that place. I feel like if, especially if we're teaching, then we have yeah. to remember that hunger to learn. Because if we don't, if we don't still have that within ourselves, then we are not relatable to our students either. Because we don't, yes. we don't remember what it feels like to be hungry for new, for new experiences, to be hungry for um, listening and sitting with new teachers. I was just last summer. I sat with Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the author of Women Who Run with Wolves. Yes. The yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> Came in, she came in with wolf ears on, howling. She's in her 70s. She's, she's just incredible. Like, I, I, was, I was like, yes. She's not, she's not a yoga teacher, but she is. Yes, you know, of course. Yes, yes. This is just the way that I, so, and I feel the same way about Emma Russell Ord. I sent her an email and I was like, um, do you ever do anything where I could come and be at it? <laughs> she was like, not really much anymore. Are you in England? And I was like, um, I will be. I can get there. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I hang out with you and have tea and just listen to your thought process? Cause it's just, there are so many. And I think that if you're, if you're missing, if you're missing that hunger, then that's really is a call to action because we've all felt the stagnancy of like, I'm continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm missing that um, experience of the potency of the moment because I'm in routine or I'm in, you know, do the same thing again and again. And so we forget what it felt like, like a first kiss type of feeling. We yes. forget what it felt like the first time that we understood and what I mean by understood is not intellectually understood, but yeah. the way, you know, that, that we understood what it felt like to be suspended in downward facing dog where we were no longer efforting. We were just there and we felt present and it was like a first kiss. Yes. And we forget what that, what that intimacy is of, of relating to posture in an intimate way of, of experiencing our bodies in an intimate way, because we get so, we get so linear and so, and I, and I say masculine with deep respect for all aspects of the masculine. Yeah. If anything, my business is run that way, sure. but we, we get so disproportionately in our masculine in that part of our mind that we forget what it feels like to to receive the moment you know and so for me that's what the continued learning is that constant like my when i pick up a new book that i really love and i can't stop reading it and mm -hmm. i i've forgotten to eat and i've forgotten that i've been sitting here for and i those feelings and taking a class even one of my favorite teachers still to this day, I'll watch her classes on, on the computer and I get those feelings of the first class I ever took with her. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. It should be that because if it's not that, then what the hell are we doing? I you know, agree. It, I totally agree. And, I, and to, just to reiterate the point that 
and what yeah. I again what I'm seeing you model so beautifully is that if you I you know there is a there is a direct correlation for the success in your business and the amount of passion you have for what you're offering and that comes from studying and being with and absorbing things that light you up rather than things that intellectually I could maybe sell some more classes if I did this thing yeah and that is in a, in a sense kind of selling out a part of what feels authentic to you right yes, because yes. I, especially navigating business because I know we're supposed to be talking about that yeah. <laughs> especially navigating like the business decisions that I've made I, I think early on in my career there were a lot of moments when I felt this kind of pushed up against the wall where it was like, I do it like this because this is what you're supposed to do or I do what I feel called to do. And, and this one's going to get me likes and this one might get me people unfriending me. And this, one, <laughs> you know, there's, yes. there's that, there are going to be a lot of decisions like that. And I think that there was a big shift in my business when I did start listening so much more deeply to those calls, you know, and I did, I lost I lost some of the people and yep. I gained a lot more. Yes. It was, it was some of the people that wanted something different than I was offering. And I think that that's huge, that that's okay, that they can seek that teacher that offers what it is that they are looking for, but not to sacrifice what you believe in and who you are and what feels right for you in order to get the likes or in order to, cause it doesn't line up energetically with what you're calling in um, to the universe in that way, I think. And I think that that has a lot to do with why certain things manifest and others don't, even if you have all of the systems in place yes. and even if everything is, is perfect as far as the, the system process goes, cause I've, I've seen, I've done it right. But that doesn't necessarily, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily, you know, call in what you're really craving to work with, especially like when it comes to your ideal students and the ones that you really feel are meant to hear you, you know? I have a mentor. She says, the only time women are burnt out is when they're, there is a lack of creativity because yes. like you said about your book, if, if you are passionate about something, you will forget to eat. You will stay on the sofa reading for a day. Like you, you don't burn out when you're, when you're pursuing those passions, but oh. for yoga teachers who are like, I'm teaching all over town. And I, it's what I see is it's because they're teaching things that aren't quite their truth mm -hmm. or a bit skewed from what they love. And so it does lead to burnout. But like you say, if we're staying in the bandwidth of what we know we're meant for, even though it can be scary and people might leave us. Yeah. It's good going to work when you're in that place. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what we're teaching like isn't yes, that what we're trying yeah. to teach anyways when it comes to teaching from your integrity and your authenticity and that relationship that that ahimsa factor here of your relationship with yourself yes are you listening to what you need are you is that considered to be self-kindness self-love is that you know when we do those things when we sacrifice our beliefs or our integrity or, or how much we have to give too because that's it, one of the, the archetypes in kissing the hag is the mother and the mother gives 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 hoping that someday there will be some sort of a reciprocal thing that happens but oftentimes it doesn't yes so eventually she becomes bitter and yes. resentful because she's given beyond the point that is truly nourishing and healthy for her to give. And this is one of the, the facets of woman nature that we have to observe and we have to say no more frequently. We have to draw firmer boundaries in order to maintain the replenishment factor of that's how much I have. Maybe I could, but I'm not going to feel good about it if I do. 
So let me rein it in, especially when I see so many teachers teaching, you know, as many classes as they are burning themselves out, doing things that they're not passionate about, that eventually there will be a bitterness there. Eventually that will lead to that. And then it's like, then you could lose your passion for doing something you love altogether. Yeah, which is one of the saddest things I see in our industry. And, and it shows up in the micro ways. Like someone was saying to me, well, I always get to the studio half an hour earlier because my students really like that extra time in Supta Bhada Konasana. I'm like, well, are they, is that, are they paying you for that? Is that part? Oh no, they just like a 20 minute. Who doesn't like 20 minutes of adult to adult permission to lie down and do nothing. Everybody <laughs> likes that, but it's not, I mean, it's a boundary transgression. Yes. That 20 minutes has a price. <laughs> your, your time has a price. And I, I, and I don't know that I read that in something that you shared that, you know, that you get emails that people say things to you about charging for your services. And to me, it's like, I, I can't, I can't comprehend exactly how we're supposed to continue to offer these gifts at the fullest capacity that we are. And then how do, what do, what do I do about food? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. are you gonna bring apple pies to my house is someone gonna just like pay for my mortgage i don't i don't understand if if that were the world that we lived in that would be lovely but it isn't we no. don't live in that world we no. don't and 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 it's it's only it's, it's necessary it's necessary that we honor ourselves in that way and say you know what i i need to eat i need to have a home i need to be able to nourish myself in order to offer these teachings there is no other way i want to be able to keep learning too there's that exchange if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go to colorado and sit with clarissa pinkola estes i have to be able to go to colorado <laughs> and sit with her and learn from her so that i can continue to offer my teaching so it's it's all, a, it goes around. It goes back into the circle. It transmutes. I mean, it's that scarcity, that, that attachment, that weird relationship that people have with money as though it's not just, what, what did I say? It's a tool. It's not, um, we give it too much. We give it too much emphasis. It's a tool. It's a tool for, that we can utilize in a way where there's no attachment to it. And there's also no fear of it, you know, totally. if that makes sense. Are you kidding? Yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Speaking to me at a DNA level. Um, yes. I got to ask that so for, for, if we come back to that idea of the mother uh, archetype <clears throat> and yeah. because I know that for a lot of people who are, who recognize that, okay, that's, I know I'm giving too much, mm -hmm. but I, but I'm unclear on how to come back to what is the right amount because, <laughs> because if I am a healer, if I am a, you know, if, if I'm a yogi and a good person trying to help people, it doesn't that somehow make me bad or less caring mm. or you know, they, they, they struggle with this idea of how can mm. I come back to what is true for me and still feel like I'm mm. doing the work I'm meant to be doing? How do we, how do we pair it back? Yeah, I think it's the foundational level of if you are a healer, if you are a teacher, if you are a person who is, who believes that your work is to be nourishment for the whole to serve as nourishment for the whole, then you are part of that. And that has to start there. And if it doesn't start there, then it's a disservice to those that you work with. Because ultimately, you know, I know that there have been times in my teaching career where I have come to a class that I did not want to be at mm. somewhere inside. And most people won't admit to it. There's some somewhere inside of me that was like, I don't, I don't have what it takes to be here. I remember a specific class that I taught while sick very sick like yeah. should have been in bed sick and i taught it because someone texted me because they were very disappointed that i wasn't going to be there because you will upset people when you draw boundaries people will get upset because they expect the same from you that you've been giving 
Yes. And that, that's how we curate the relationships in our lives by determining, setting the boundaries. And we've created relationships without boundaries, then there's going to be a little upset when we shift that. And I know that. But I remember teaching this class. I couldn't stand up. I was wow. sitting at the front of the room. I was that sick. And I showed up anyways. And I could have, you know, given myself the, the hero's martyr um, label for that, like, I, like my mother would have back in the day. She's very much like, go until you crash, <laughs> like that kind of a, of, a, of a spirit. And instead, I was like, this is not good for anyone. Hmm. This is not good for me. It's definitely not good for them. Hmm. And so there's that piece of like, are you truly being of service? If you actually scale it back to the fundamental of you can't give if you don't have, if you go all the way back there, self-sacrifice is not what the whole is asking you for. Not in my, not in my perception. I feel that you're, you're not nourishing the whole, you're giving of you and then you have to give back to you somehow. So how are you, how is that happening? Is hmm. that, if that makes sense? Totally. That self-sacrifice. That self-sacrifice piece, that martyrdom, yep. that, that's part of what we have to look at. Why do we feel ourselves unworthy of drawing those boundaries? Yeah. I also think, if I think about the teachers who have made the most impact in my life, as far as yeah. yoga teachers, my yoga teachers, one of the, some of the biggest things that they've actually taught me is, how they've, is what I've learned from them as models. Actually, I'm not available to chat with you on the break. Actually, I'm starting on time. Actually, this is, I don't answer emails from everybody because that's not how my life works. And I don't get back to people on the weekend and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, they taught me how to teach great yoga asana, but watching them model good boundaries, I, want, mm-hmm. I suspect that might be the biggest blessing they've given me. So I think as, as, <clears throat> as yoga teachers, we also can have that influence on our students simply by uh, modeling we great do. behavior. Yeah, yeah everything we do and i think that that comes right back to what you said about the the instagram photos it comes right back to everything is everything right yeah it comes it ties in all of it because ultimately everything that we're doing is being witnessed by those who are observing us whether it be the ones closest to us in our relationships we're teaching the world how to relate to us we're teaching in every choice that we make we're teaching our lovers how to relate to us our family our students and and that is it can be medicine for them because as you, you know, model that, then that person starts asking for what they need. And then that person starts, and it, it's a ripple effect of more people claiming their voice in their space. There's nothing, I mean, I do a little bit of Tantra work. One of my Tantra teachers is big on one of the things that, that the practices that I love so much is learning how to say no when someone asks if you would like to be hugged or would you like to, you know, would, what it is it that you would like right now? And you have to actually say yes or no. And how does that feel for you? Mm. And how does it feel to receive the no too? How does mm. the other person feel receiving? Cause we get, we have a hard time when someone, you know, you say you want to hug someone and they don't want to hug you back. And there's that like, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to hug me? <laughs> so you see it from every angle. You learn how to see it from every angle and how beneficial it is to learn how to, how to witness someone else's boundaries and how to observe your own. I think that's, a, that's huge. Mm, mm. You know? And also gets to be part of your yoga as a, as yeah. a yoga business owner. Like mm-hmm. all of this gets to be your yoga as much as anything you do on the mat or the cushion or whatever. Yep. Yeah. More so perhaps sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And finding that space. I mean, I've been, I've been going hard by myself for a while with this business. It's been primarily just me and a computer and a phone and trying to navigate it. And it's grown massively in a short period of time. And that, you know, that has been a sacrifice of my boundaries to make some of that happen and a constant recalibration, Mm. constantly 
Okay, turn the phone off at five o'clock. Okay, turn the phone off at five o'clock. But that's a discipline, just like anything else, just like making sure I get on my mat or making sure I'm, you know, doing some of my Ayurveda practices and things like that. They're just as much a discipline uh, to, to maintain those boundaries. It's not like you set them and then they stay there. Yes. <laughs> you, know, yes. you have to consistently maintain that it requires tending like a garden you have to continue continuously tend to that and continuously you know do you mean what you say kind of thing uphold what it is that you are are casting out if that's what you've declared and you know the universe is going to ask you multiple times are you sure, are you sure? yeah yeah, are you sure? yeah yeah did you mean it are you sure <laughs> yes but, yeah um there, something just came up then and it's it's vanished again um mm. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> so, so I know we're, we're almost at time, but I've got to ask because you've got this yeah. just such an exuberance about you. Tell us one thing. It's like the part of the job interview where the, the potential employer says, okay, you've told us your strengths. What are your weaknesses? What is something that actually you just, uh, God gets you in business? What's the thing that you have to do that you're like, man, really? Tell us a thing that's like, ugh, if I could never do oh, that again. All the buttons that I don't know how to make work. Um, <laughs> Like I will just, I, there was one point cause I have, I have this woman, Lucy do my branding and my website. Now we're working on it. Cause yes. I just, Oh my God, I'm trying so hard not to curse. <laughs> have at it. We don't mind. There's a button. There are so many buttons that I'll just, it's supposed to do something. <laughs> and I just keep trying to make it do that thing. And I will try, I will Google how to make this button do whatever. And I will spend hours trying to get that one freaking button to do what it's supposed to do. Like all of those little techie stuff that I just have so much respect and, and <laughs> gratitude for those who are like, I immediately know how to make that button work. What took you two hours takes me three minutes. So like that, that, that gets frustrating because the time element of like how long it's gonna take me versus pay person, help me, you do five minutes, I do five hours. It'd be much better. Yes. <laughs> those kinds of things, definitely. And, and I think I, I definitely am an over over worker in general. So the the, the mm. sacred feminine work has been a big teaching for me. Which everything always the things you fall in love with are your biggest teachers usually, right? So the the receiving, the replenishment, the taking a break, the all of these aspects. I tend to just go. There are times when I'm answering things at one in the morning, and my husband's yeah. like, "That that's a no." Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's an I love you, but. <laughs> That's a no. Anybody who's messaging you at one in the morning, don't let them come to training. <laughs> Except if they're in a different time zone and they don't think that you're looking at your phone in the middle of the night. That's what I said. I said, you don't understand. They're in Bali. They're, that's their timing. I, he goes, well, you need someone in Bali to help you answer this. I like him. He, this is a good business advisor. <laughs> he's so he's super Jamaican. I love everything about his so direct and it's just it's so good for me because he doesn't have any of of the extra stuff. He just straight to the point, no matter how harsh it is, no matter how stark it is, I'm just like, whoa, okay, I guess but he there's no bullshit with him and I, I needed that. That called that part of me out. So it's a it's a nice balance. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And the, the thing I, <clears throat> the thing I was thinking of has just come back to me is this, the, everything that you're sharing about the nuts and boltsy pieces, I think, particularly for anybody who's listening, who, who is actively working on scarcity versus abundance, yes. like the trigger to get back to someone in the middle of the night or the trigger to answer something while you're at dinner. 
comes from, I might miss out. If I don't immediately respond, then this could be something lost. And yes. I think that gets to be, you know, the sort of symptoms of the journey transitioning from scarcity to abundance. And what I'm hearing you share is that as your business has grown fast, um, you've called in more support, you're receiving more support, you're setting greater boundaries and that, and that abundance is corresponds to the way that you're, mm -hmm. uh, um, you've, you've set yourself up to receive it. Yeah. I started paying for help before I could afford to pay for help for sure. There's another meme, everybody like seriously get that lesson. That's a powerful teaching. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I, and I started, I, I found, a sister who thinks so much like me. I felt like she, she could do things that I could do. And it was like two of me in a sense. And she, she, she's a spectacular human. I just, I'm, I adore her and she's on the West coast and she started helping me with answering emails, answering messages, answering those things before I had the money to do it. And since that time, I mean, we, we grew the business six figures in a year from, from like I was bankrupt in 2016. So everybody, I mean, everybody, I hope you're getting this like for real, get nothing else from this series. Get that. <laughs> Get help. Yeah. Don't do it by yourself. You'll go faster yeah. and feel much better. Get Amy's help. <laughs> get Amy's <laughs> Anyone. Help. Just get anybody. Just stop trying to figure it out by yourself. Stop doing five hours on a button. <laughs> five hours on a button is a waste of time. Do not do that. You, after, I think you should have a threshold. Like after 13 minutes, 13 minutes has passed. I don't know how to do this. I will find someone who does. <laughs> find someone on the internet who will do it for $5. Like get out of your own way. I love, I love it. <laughs> Kathy, thanks so much for being such a beautiful guest. Tell me, because I know you've got all sorts of teacher trainings and offerings and where can people go find out more about you because they're going to want to. What can we look to receive from you? Yes. Well, you can go to wildessenceyoga.com and you'll find that there are some e-course information in there. There are trainings from 200 to 1,000 hours. We do them all online and then we also do virtual. We do intensive one-week <coughs> Um, immersions so they can wow. have the entire course content online and then they can meet me anywhere in the world that they choose to and our tuition is lifelong so whenever you feel called to be in circle again it's always there I I, I always feel that that's essential that you can always come back and and mm -hmm. be with people again and sit in circle again so it's gonna be really really amazing it launches October 31st we already have 30 students enrolled so holy smokes tell us the URL again yep it's wildessenceyoga.com and if you want specifically to go to that area you can go to wildessenceyoga.com slash wild mystic and that's the training specifically and remember everybody like you get to study things because you just want to <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly <it> if <clears throat> you want it that's that amazing permission totally yeah thank you for being You're such incredible. a beautiful guest <laughs> love fest <laughs> I'm going to come visit you so we can watch the birds that wake up because I want to see those birds that I just learned, that I heard making sound. Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. You, you, want, you can't miss them. And the kangaroos, I think they've all left for the morning, but they're out there. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed these interviews and you're interested in having my support as your yoga business coach, check out the information about my coaching package at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash coaching.